0: let's hear god's word if you want to turn to the book of acts where we've been following that story of paul and barnabas we come to the end of just looking at their ministry together and we're going to look this morning and read from acts chapter 14 acts chapter 14 and reading from verse 8 and this is what's known as Paul's first missionary journey as he and Barnabas went round what we would understand as being Turkey and the area of Cyprus and that kind of area. Okay. Let's pick up in verse 8. In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted out the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas, they called Zeus, and Paul, they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derb. Amen. And as we hear God's word, may by the Spirit, we grow in our understanding. We're going to sing together a hymn now. And then after that hymn, um, there's going to be a video put on once. Gregor can bring it up. Um, I'm showing excerpt from Strictly Come Dancing from a week past on Saturday. It's not for our entertainment. Um, It's of one of the contestants. You'll see it and I trust as you watch it, you'll think about what it's telling us about Britain today. But before that, let's continue in our worship as we stand to sing. Well, I wish I could dance like that. And last night they won they've got the highest score. If we had time this morning, I'd love us, but we don't have time for us to talk about what that tells us of Britain 2021. Not the Britain perhaps that we were brought up in, or we'd like to believe still existed, but Britain in 2021. And in the church, of course, there's different reactions. Part of the church, of course, would say, this is great. This is the future. This is what we need to embrace. This is what we need to enter into and and celebrate and mark. There's another part of the church which, of course, is diametrically opposite. This is offensive. This is wrong. Pronounce judgment upon it and retreat well away from it. And perhaps for many of us, including many of us here this morning, we just don't watch it and hope that it will somehow go away. And yet, my friends, if we really understand the New Testament, Britain is more and more like the Roman Empire of the first century. And far from depressing us, and I can appreciate this morning, some of us probably found that quite difficult to watch, but far from depressing us or upsetting us, it actually provides a challenge and an encouragement. The Paul and the Barnabases of the Old Testament went out into a real world not the world of a Christian Britain or a so-called Christian West, but a world of the Roman Empire where all sorts of things were celebrated, encouraged, and commended. You just need to go to different parts of Italy, for instance, and see the statues and the, the, the theaters and the models and everything built there to see that it was a very broad and inclusive world. And behind the facade of respectability all sorts of things went on. And what did Paul and Barnabas do? What did the early church do? Did it retreat into a mindset which says, well, we're right, they're wrong, and judgment's going to fall upon them. If that's your mindset this morning, I have to warn you that if we're pointing the judgment of finger of judgment on others, God's finger of judgment first falls upon his own and his church. And if we think that by ignoring things that we don't feel comfortable with, that somehow they'll go away, then history tells us that that's the road to increasing alienation, separation, and irrelevance. Turn in your Bibles to the fat passages we read earlier from the book of Acts. I actually think it's encouragement to us that we're living in a real world. The facade of Christendom is falling apart. That should encourage us, actually, far from making us feel upset, because it's becoming more and more real. The world is becoming more and more like the Bible times, and therefore the gospel, the light that we were singing about, of Christ shining in the darkness, becomes ever more evident. Over these past weeks, we've been looking at Paul and Barnabas, looking at how Barnabas brought Paul into the the, the whole setup of the early church. He did that because he recognized in Paul someone who was able to take on the challenges of the contemporary era. If you want to flick back, actually, in the story to where Paul's brought along by Barnabas early on in the story in Acts chapter 9. And if you have your Bibles open, that'll be helpful because we're going to be flicking through part of the story. And remember, Barabbas intercedes with the apostles and brings Saul into the setup. And so we read in Acts chapter 9, and verse 28, So Saul stayed with the early church, with the disciples, and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. And why did they try to kill him? Well, these Hellenistic Jews were those who kept to a a kind of veneer of spirituality, but had largely embraced the spirit of the age, the Greco-Roman way of thinking. Very much like a whole section of the church today that hosts a form of spirituality, but embraces a way of thinking, a mindset, a philosophy, which leads to obviously a whole impact on society. And Paul was able to challenge that mindset to reveal the dangers of that mindset and to open it up really to the hypocrisy of holding together two things which actually were diametrically opposed. That's why they wanted to kill him. When was the last time somebody wanted to kill me or to kill you because we were so effective in presenting Jesus Christ and the relevance of the gospel to Britain in 2021? were so challenged and provoked by the way that the word of God, like the sword of the Spirit, pierced into the situation and opened everything up that they wanted to use the knife against us. And that's what Paul was effective at, debating and engaging and revealing. And so in the passage we read earlier, where they finally get to Lystra in their first missionary journey look at what happens they arrive into that community back in Acts chapter 14 and right away there is a tangible demonstration of the power of God we read in Chapter 14, verse 8, in Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. And Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. The gospel spoke with power. A life was changed. Something miraculous took place. And the challenge surely of Paul and Barnabas to our life together today is just that, the power of the gospel making a difference to life. You probably heard, I made reference last Sunday because I was very provoked by what I'd heard, best life, living the best life. If you go onto social media, you'll see that people put up photographs. I've said this last week, all purporting to tell us about how they're living the best life. And maybe not, dare I say, most of our generation, but your generation, Graham and Car, and younger. This longing for life in all its fullness. And the gospel of Jesus brings radical transformation. And allowed this man to have life. He was physically Crippled, he had never walked. We're told. Look, the the historian and the medical expert keen to make sure that we understood how dramatic makes that clear. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. And my friends, the good use of Jesus transforms lives and gives hope to people in the midst of all their situations. And it's that radical witness, that radical change, that miraculous transformation. That causes folk to stop and think. And how we have to confess that so often that's not the witness of the church in Britain today. Certainly, mainstream churches like ours. And so, the disciples, or Paul and Barnabas rather, gave tangible demonstrations of the gospel. But they also challenged false spiritualities. When the crowd, we read in verse 11, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted out in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. And Barnabas, they called Zeus, and Paul, they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting. friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Paul and Barnabas challenged the spirituality of the age. You don't need me to tell you that in the world today, we too have various alternative spiritualities. In fact, they're often used. People talk about alternative spiritualities. We have the deification of humans. How many Instagram followers do these guys that appeared on the screen have? Ollie Moores, is it you call him? The singer? I was reading in the paper this morning, 34 million people follow him on Instagram. We deify humans. We look to them and model our lives. Well, again, not you, but I'm saying this because we've got to think out of the way we think, which is quite narrow and quite you know? People deify humans. And elevate and model their life, their best life, on what someone else lives. We live in a day where there is openness to other forms of spirituality. Other religions in the world, yes, but other forms of spirituality. And so people order their lives by The stones that they have, or by what some guru says, or by some spirit angel or something else that they follow or identify with. And yes, rightly we're concerned about creation, and we're all aware of the COP conference coming up in a few weeks' time, but nonetheless, if you listen to some who are involved in that, they deify nature. As mentioned before, even in country file they, they give nature a deification and ascribe to nature what really belongs to the creator, that somehow nature is a god. And Paul and Barnabas challenged that. They challenged it very obvious. We saw last Sunday when they challenged the, the man who had the ability to well, I suppose maybe a kind of fortune teller, a soothsayer, a sorcerer, back in chapter 13, a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, and we read that verse 9, Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at the man and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. And immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. They were able to challenge, not the people who were taken in by the the guru but the guru himself they were able to challenge the spirit of the age the false religions the wrong ideas with authority and with clarity and with power so they gave tangible demonstrations of the gospel they challenged false spiritualities, but they also engaged with intellectual thought. We see that in the story in chapter 13. We're told that the proconsul of Cyprus was an intelligent man, and he sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. And interestingly enough, when we're told in verse 12, the proconsul saw what had happened to the false prophet, you might say, the sorcerer, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. How we need people who can, in a way which is relevant, explain God's word and bring it to bear on the issues of this decade. That's why I'm more and more convinced the day is coming when we need to have somebody younger in this pulpit helping us to do that. To be able to speak into our time. Because people do ask questions. People are thinking. People are troubled. And what are they hearing? Just more and more senseless talk. Or this person or that person peddling false notions. And we just remain silent. And wring our hands and smile and say, Well, it's all about being nice. And when they were in Lystra, Despite the challenge, and were told that with difficulty they had to keep the crowds from sacrificing to them. Notice what they said there. Back in chapter 14, they draw the hearer's minds to creation. They use the evidence of creation. We saw this when we looked at Paul chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 uses that to speak to people. Yes, if you have a concern for creation. Yes, if you're aware of the bounty and blessings of life. Well, let me tell you the source of those blessings. And the one who is the creator. Because I have to know him. Because the Bible tells us that that eternal word that spoke and brought everything into being took flesh and lived among us full of grace and truth. They engaged with intellectual thought. And what was the result of that? Well, the church prospered the church prospered. They preach a sermon. We don't have time. That in itself is a mission. They preach a sermon in Pisidian Antioch to a Jewish congregation back in chapter 13. And when they finish that sermon, where they particularly appeal to a Jewish audience, this is Paul's first sermon recorded for us in the book of Acts to Jewish people. It's very much based in Scripture Notice later on in the book of Acts when he speaks to the crowd in Athens on that mountain we had the privilege a number of years ago to be that hill in Athens where people used to gather for intellectual debate. There he uses the people of the, the, the thoughts and the language of the contemporary time he, he, he talks Acts chapter 20, I read it when you go home. And he refers to that. He talks about an, un, an altar that he found. And you can still see the part down in the bottom of the hill in the center of Athens, where there's these statutes and all the rest of it. He says he found an altar. Verse 23 of Acts 17 of Acts 17, where he says, I found an altar with an inscription to an unknown God. He says, So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. And then he goes on and quotes one of the prof, one of their own poets. We are his offspring. Read that for yourself. He's able to tailor the message to the people that he's speaking to. But the result was that the church grew. Verse 48 of chapter 13 when the Gentiles heard that the light For the revelation of the glory of God had come to them, we read, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord. And all who were appointed for eternal life believed the church grew. People came to faith. They went from darkness to light, from spiritual death to life, from being far from God to being near to God. That's what happens when we demonstrate the power of the gospel, when we challenge false spiritualities and philosophies, and we engage with intellectual thought. And so, the end of chapter 14. They returned through the cities they had been in. Let me just read to you. They preached the gospel in the city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraged them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust And after going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they reached the word in Perga, they went down to Antilia. And from Antilia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. And arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. The church was built up. Order was established doctrine was established and the church that has stood for 2,000 years was born and that was all the fruit the fruit that endures when the gospel is proclaimed in a way that's relevant to the times in which we live but lastly because I'm conscious time is passing they also were human very human That happens. Of course, we saw that earlier when they all came rushing out and Paul and Barnabas tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd. Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. And they were very human. And again, we just have to move on very quickly, but they're very human because we read this at the end of chapter 15. So flick to that if you want, just as we close. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, "Let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord, and see how they are doing." Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul didn't think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord what's you in the church there was a fallout over Mark Barnabas's cousin it was Mark's mum if you remember you probably won't that had the prayer meeting in Jerusalem when Peter was in prison and Paul wasn't very impressed when he deserted them and went home back to his mummy And yet one of the most moving and stirring parts of Paul's own testimony is these verses. in 2 Timothy, don't need to look them up, I'll just read them to you. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 11. The very end of his life, as he's writing to Timothy, probably from prison in Rome, he says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. Because he's helpful to me in my ministry. Paul was human. Barnabas was human. Mark was human. And yet, at the very end, what did Paul want? But that young lad back in fellowship with him. Kingdom dynamics, weak lives renewed, failures forgiven, relationships restored. Some of you may know that there's a Christian who's taking place, taking part in Strictly Come Dancing this year, a very committed Christian, Dan Walker, who's on BBC television, also on BBC Sports. The story is going about in the media that one of the reasons is not on on a Sunday live is because he told them from the very beginning that he wouldn't dance on a Sunday. Whether that's the case or not, pray for Dan as he engages with the world as it really is and spends time with a whole range of people far from the life of the church. Does that not trouble you friends? Does that not stir your heart? And cause you to pray. One of the other fellows has obviously got quite a church connection, because last night they showed the folks sitting in the church hall cheering him on. Reese Stevens Stevenson, who, but all the tipsters say may well win it. Who's obviously got a church background. Pray for these people. Thank God for them. They're like Paul and Barnabas. They're living the gospel out in the real world. Ask for God's grace to do the same in twenty twenty one. Let's pray together. We do pray for Dan Walker, a brother in Christ. We thank you for him. We ask that you would bless him. Not that he would necessarily win strictly, but he would continue to be that light shining in the midst of a very illuminated dance competition in many ways, but in many other ways spiritually dark. We pray for others. We pray for John and his dance partner. We pray for them, and we pray for all who are taking part. And we pray for Christians up and down our land, in the media particularly, in that very pressurized environment with all the agenda and spirit of the age, and we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would strengthen them and enable them. To bear good witness to Jesus. And we pray for ourselves. We say sorry for getting it wrong so often. And yet we thank you for the example in the book of Acts that even the best got it wrong at times. And we ask for wisdom. That in our conversations and how we respond, and what we say, and how we act, we may reveal you, Lord Jesus, that he might get the increase as we, in a sense, decrease. And for that difficult situation that we feel uncomfortable with, those relationships that others have that we don't agree with and don't fit in with our understanding of life, those values that we find perhaps even quite offensive, and rightly so, give us grace and increasingly the mind of Christ as to how we are to respond and enable us as a little fellowship here to so demonstrate the power of the gospel in life's transformed, to be so equipped to challenge the spirit of the age with all its falsehood, with all its twinkling lights and dangerous lies, to be able to intellectually answer questions and provoke thought. Lord, we offer our little fellowship. Own own it and use it for your kingdom. Purposes, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. We have heard a joyful sound. Jesus saves. Let's stand. In my own heart, I say, if I really believed that, I'd be praying even more fervently for all that we see and is presented to us day by day in our world let's say the grace together. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all.